Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Couple games into preseason. Stoppage time is live. Atlanta United is heading down to Mexico for three more games. Team's already there. Celaya, um, Chivas, and another second division team. But Mike, we had a chance to see firsthand in Athens, Atlanta United against Georgia Revolution last Sunday. Yeah, and uh, we can spend a good bit of time today talking about what we saw and kind of look ahead to where we're going uh, over the next two weekends down in Mexico. And uh, it'll be here before you know it. Today's February the 2nd. February the 27th is the season opener at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So by my count, that's 25 days away. And uh, there's a lot to, not necessarily loose ends, but there's a lot of things that you have to tie down between now and then. But I thought they got off to a really, really good start on Sunday. It was great seeing a lot of you out in Athens on Sunday. The The crowd was terrific. Yeah. It's a great day for soccer, uh, not only for Atlanta United, but really, um, you know, for the state of Georgia to be able to have a, a gathering like that in Athens on the campus of, uh, you know, the major state university was a really, really cool thing. Yeah, um, Georgia Revolution put up a good fight. I think they they struggled a little bit early, just like Georgia Storm did in that match. Um, I had a chance to catch up with both uh, the Revs and the Storm and some of their leaders for an SDH special. And they both really sounded very similar. And first, that it was you know really beneficial for them to get this opportunity to play these matches against Atlanta United. It'll help them as they get into 2022. They said everybody from Atlanta United was was great to deal with. Um, just made everything easy for them. They, they felt really well acknowledged, I think, for the work they do on the grassroots side. But one of the biggest struggles for both outside of putting a team together because they're out of season right now, they're not in their preseason, was that initial part of the match because that's where the gap between the levels will show. Even a couple weeks of preseason that Atlanta United's had, I saw a difference between the game with Georgia Storm on the Tuesday and the game with the Revs on Sunday because you'd had that many more training sessions. You'd had a game to build upon. Atlanta was better against the Revolution than they were against the Storm because of that extra time. It took both the Storm and the Revs 10, 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in that ballpark, to get settled. And once they did... They put up a good fight. They had to defend. They didn't have much of the ball. You know, they were definitely overwhelmed, but they were able to give Atlanta United the game that they needed in that moment to help them get ready for the next step of preseason, which is Sunday against Celaya. Yeah, and uh, just a step further, I mean, I I thought um, thought Georgia Revolution had some really nice players. I I thought Gio Rios was a a really nice player, very active uh, in kind of a free role. 
Um, the the center back from Scotland. Um, yeah, Kirk, uh, Kirkwood. I, I liked him too. Yeah, I, I thought Kirkwood was great. I thought Banfi, their goalkeeper, had yeah. some really, really nice saves. So you're right. It, it was a very good workout for Atlanta United. It's a credit to Georgia Revolution for kind of, um, you know, absorbing that initial shockwave and really growing into the match. Uh, you know, a team that's a little bit out of fitness right now because they're out of season and they played better as the match went on. So credit to them. Yeah, but, we might but, actually get some news related to the Georgia Revolution later today. I don't know if it's going to happen while we're on. The U.S. Open Cup first-round pairings could actually finally get announced. Okay, here. And they're uh, qualified. They're, they're going to be in the first round. They could host yeah. a first-round game. If they get through a couple rounds, that could be the opponent for Atlanta United in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. That's supposed to come this afternoon. If we get it before the show ends, we'll, yeah. we'll give you a heads up. And I, I just I have to go right to what Christopher Abel said on the Twitch pitch because I disagree with how you're looking at it. Um, you have to keep in mind that Atlanta United is not working on tactical things in a preseason friendly that's being played against an out-of-fitness uh, fourth division team in January. Right now you're trying to build a base of fitness. I am not concerned that Atlanta United did not score – against Georgia oh, Revolution no, for the yeah, remainder of the first point. half because that's not necessarily the point of what they were trying to do. It's a competition, okay? It absolutely is a competition. You're going out, you're trying to win. Um, but more than anything else, you're just trying to build a level of fitness right now. Uh, if this match is played in July and Atlanta United's fully fit, yeah, it's a match that you're going to try to win 5-6-7-0. You're not there right now. You know, your main objectives in a friendly like that, you want to entertain your fans, you want to build a level of fitness, and more than anything else, you don't want to get anyone hurt. So I do not have any concern whatsoever about what the scoreline was. I think if Atlanta United really wanted to put the pedal to the metal, they probably could have scored quite a few more goals in that first half. But at some point, it becomes more about, accomplishing your objectives, building these societies on the pitch that Jason has talked about so many times. And I think you saw some of that. That, to me, is the big takeaway. For example, you know, if we want to talk about takeaways from Sunday's match, from what I saw in 45 minutes of Andrew Gutman, I feel pretty good that Atlanta United is going to be okay without much of a drop-off at left back. Uh, and I thought you saw a really, really good connection between Andrew Gutman and Tyler Wolf. Yeah. Uh, it won't be likely Andrew Gutman and Tyler Wolf in the regular season. It could be Andrew Gutman and Marcelino Moreno. It could be Andrew Gutman and Tiago Amata. It could be Andrew Gutman and Emerson Heinemann. It, 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 it could be a bunch of different things. But that's a takeaway that Andrew Gutman went out and dominated in a match where he should be able to dominate. He looked comfortable. But I think for other players, like again, to Christopher's point, Aiden McFadden right now is going out trying to earn first-team minutes, okay? Sometimes in the context of going out and doing it, it's hard to beat an NPSL team 10-0 because you've got to let Aiden McFadden work. You've got to let Tyler Wolf get that work in. You've got to let Jackson Conway get that work in. Um, so I'm I'm not dwelling on the scoreline at all. I thought Atlanta United completely controlled, dominated possession, completely dominated possession, but more than anything else, Atlanta United accomplished what they wanted to accomplish on Sunday. That's build some chemistry, get fit, and stay healthy. Preseason score lines are one of the most meaningless thing in sports. They they don't matter. Um, there's a big difference between these two teams and where they are and what they were doing on Sunday. I'll, I'll give you an example um there are players that participated on the other side that are not going to be playing any games here coming up uh because they're they might be playing in local leagues or whatever they're waiting on open cup opportunities if they go out and play 60 minutes 75 minutes and they pull a hamstring at the end of the day no big deal. They might miss some local games, not a huge issue. They don't have a competitive match until March with the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They're going to play and push it for that experience because they're getting a chance to play Atlanta United. It is the biggest game for some of those guys that they've ever participated in. 
for Atlanta United, you're not going to push past 45 minutes with your main guys, period. That was what Gonzalo Pineda laid out on Tuesday against Georgia Storm, where guys played 30 minutes. It's about progression. It's about building fitness on that side of it physically. So you're not, you care less about the score line. You're not going to push past that. Second, you could care less about the score line in the sense that you are working on the way you're going to play against better competition. You're doing that against an opponent, which is better than doing it against your second team in house where it's not going to be as intense as playing an outside opponent, but you're working on the way you play more than just scoring cheap goals. It's not about just scoring goals in this moment for this team. It's about building the game model out, building the fitness up. They were not going to sacrifice either one of those to make it 6-0 versus 4-0 in a scoreline that nobody will remember once we get to opening day. Yep. You have to please keep things in context because it's a waste of time to to get worked up about a, a scoreline in a preseason game where, as Mike said, you're in complete control. They played the way that they wanted. They got a lot of guys, a lot of minutes. I think what we learned, what I learned from watching both games, what we learned on Sunday, you've got some guys coming through the academy who are close to homegrown deals in Luke Brennan and Noah Cobb. That's always a good thing. Are they ready today? They don't have to be. They're in good shape and their development is good. They got an opportunity to play with a, with a professional group. Daniel Blayu gets a goal in preseason. He had one off the post against Georgia Storm. These are good things for somebody trying to earn a contract. Aiden McFadden showed that if he is needed to be on an MLS deal, he can hang with the first team group. Good. Good to know because right now he's third in the depth chart at right back behind Brooklyn and Ronald Hernandez. We learned that Luis Araujo doesn't care if it's preseason, midseason, postseason. He's going to yell at a referee. and That's okay. And he's incredibly explosive and he looks like he's in great form. Tyler Wolf has shown some really good things playing in a couple of different positions. Um, Osvaldo Alonso is a leader that is incredibly evident from the, from the jump here. You're seeing a lot of good things across the board. It's not about score lines in preseason. It is yeah. about building to February 27th. That score line is the only one that matters. Yeah. And you want to see some of the players you've talked about. Additionally, a guy like Eric Centeno, yeah. uh, guy like Tola Shawumi, um, you know, really go out and try to compete for an opportunity. And that's what they did on Sunday. And that's yeah. likely what they're going to be doing down in Mexico. I think with that group, what we saw and, and comparing the two games, I think Centeno showed more on Sunday, which is good. There's progression. I, I think McFadden showed more. That's good. I think Blowyu showed more. That's good. I think Shawunmi didn't take that step with Sunday versus what he did in game one. Okay. It's his second game in a professional environment. Okay. That's something to watch. I thought Wolf was better Sunday than he was Tuesday. These are good things. There really wasn't anybody who took a big step back. There were some who took bigger steps forward. That's the point. Robbie Mertz showed he can hang with these mm -hmm. professional groups. Um, no problems to worry about with Robbie Mertz if he's needed. That's what you're looking to do right now. It's building overall fitness. It's building game models. It's about that and getting to 27th of February in good shape to win that match rather than making it 6 nothing versus 4 nothing. I like Darwin Mateus as well. I really like yeah. Johnny Fortune. I mean, look. That's the one. Thank you. I knew there was somebody I was leaving out from Sunday. Johnny Fortune was outstanding. Yeah. Um, like this is good. Yeah, no one good went out. No one went out there and like stunk up the joint. Like everyone played well, and you got to give your opponent a little bit of of credit as well. Like it, it's just it is what it is. And, and I think for the most part, by the way, I think for the most part, the reaction to Sunday's been very positive. Let's also kind of be a little realistic about why we're having this discussion right now. Um. For most of us, that's the first time we've seen Atlanta United play since they were at Yankee Stadium. So, of course, we're going to overanalyze everything that happens, yeah. no matter what it is. It's that's okay, too. Yeah, yeah, you just got to keep it in context. It's it's like with the Falcons in preseason. If you know they don't score 40 points, it doesn't mean anything. If they score 40 points, it doesn't mean anything, honestly, either. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't really matter score lines in preseason because that's not the goal. It's about getting to opening day in your team, 
being as be- as good as they can possibly be at that stage. It's progression. Yeah. So now they're in Mexico, and uh, it looks like they had a pool party last night based on some <laughs> photos that have been put out by the team. I didn't think it was interesting today. Um, they seem to be doing kind of like a media car wash. Uh, it looks like Darren and Carlos had a, a big press conference today down in Guadalajara where they invited the local media. Um, Gonzalo did a thing. Tudiana was there. I think some of the yeah. local media was there as well. They're going to have in the next 12 minutes a uh, an English language uh, Zoom call with the, the Atlanta media. Um, but one of the reasons why they booked these friendlies in Guadalajara is Atlanta United still really, really uh, dedicated to building their brand in as many different places as possible. And here's an opportunity now with Gonzalo Pineda's connections with Chivas, where you can maybe build a, a little bit of a, a connection down in Guadalajara. And this might end up becoming a regular thing. Atlanta United, remember, uh, it, this is very easy to forget because it happened right before the pandemic. They played in Guadalajara um, right before the start of the 2020 season as well. So this might turn into something that they're going to do a lot. But uh, I'd like to see today that they went out they did a media tour, uh, again, kind of continuing this theme that has started over really the last couple months with Gonzalo Pineda, it just kind of opening the doors and welcoming everyone in and trying to let as many people as possible see Atlanta United. Um, so that's underway now. And again, the priorities are going to be the same down in Mexico. Build your level of fitness and stay healthy. You're going to get some more players into the group now. Yep. Ronald Hernandez and Joseph Martinez are going to be back with the group pretty soon. Brooks Lennon sounds like he's already down there. I don't know if he's yep. working, but he's there. Miles Robinson, if he doesn't lose any fingers or toes tonight in St. Paul, will <sighs> yeah. be with the group very, very soon. Not saying they're going to play on Sunday, but they're going to be in the group. Right. Um, so you're, you're going to get more players starting to ramp up now in a training camp mode. We talk about building chemistry. A lot of that has to be developed on the pitch and competition, but a lot of the off the field chemistry, those bonds are really going to be solidified here over the next two weeks as this team bunkers in together. And it, it I, I think by the time they come back from Mexico, mentally, this team's going to be in a much different place than maybe they're in right now. Yeah, I I always like the idea in preseason of going away for a week or two and, you know, having a room with teammates, you're going to have a lot of activities off the field, lots of things to to build the brotherhood with the group. That stuff's important, you know, I mean, it, it can get thrown out there as a cliche from time to time, but it's really important early on to build those links and build those bonds. I also think I'm, I'm totally with you on building the brand. I think that's really big in Mexico, which could be a very big partner in the transfer market down the road yes. with sales incoming and outgoing. I also think that it's not by accident that they are at Atlas's facilities. Atlas, one of the, the leading youth development clubs in Mexico, um, first division team as well, but they are a, a champion right now and they are known for their youth development. Marcelo Bielsa was there back in the day in the mid nineties and really laid the groundwork for Atlas becoming the club that is known for developing a ton of top Mexican talent. So to be there and rub shoulders with, with everything Atlas is doing is also a really good link to have. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see where this team is on Sunday and then where they are the following week when it's like a split squad kind of day where they'll have two games on the same day on the 13th. Uh, do you want to get into some Twitch pitch stuff? Here? Yeah, because, let's do it. Uh, we, we've got a couple topics brewing on the Twitch pitch. And first of all, uh, yes, Sunday's friendly is geo blocked. Just so you know, all the friendlies will be. It, it's an MLS policy. It's not, not the United team policy. They don't want the policy from right. everything that I've ever heard. I don't think any team wants the policy, yeah. but it is a, it is a league policy and it is what it is. Every team's dealing with it. Yeah. Um, so a couple questions on the Twitch pitch about the Eric Lopez situation. Shiva wants to know, is he back with the team? Bruno wants to know, 
Uh, is he going to be back as the second striker? Why don't we just bring everyone up to date on, on what yeah. the situation is with Eric Lopez? Because there's been a couple different reports, but I think we can condense it down into this. Eric Lopez went down to Bonfield with the intent of Atlanta United loaning him to Bonfield. Mm-hmm. He trained with Bonfield, played in some friendlies for Bonfield. Mm-hmm. Eric Lopez, though, decided he did not want to sign with Bonfield. So now Bonfield has reportedly sent him back to Atlanta. Now there's a little bit of confusion because Cesar Luis Merlo is reporting that Bonfield is trying now to maybe keep Eric Lopez from leaving. Eric Lopez's father was quoted on a radio station saying that they could not come to financial terms. And I don't know how the chronology really aligns there, but at the moment, what I do know is that Eric Lopez did not want to sign with Bonfield, so he's it's supposed to come back to Atlanta. Atlanta United then will conduct an evaluation. We'll go from there. I still think, to Bruno's question, I think the chances of Eric Lopez playing for Atlanta United in 2022 remain rather slim. Um, but what you have right now is a situation where you thought maybe at this point you would have an open U22 initiative slot because Lopez would be loaned to Bonfield. Well, now that's in limbo, which means what you may have been looking to do with that U-22 spot has to be, at least for the moment, put on hold. Do you think that's a fair way of putting it? Yeah, yeah, the speculation I'll add to it. Well, one bit of of fact that is there, um, the the radio station with Eric Lopez's father speaking was yesterday afternoon um, in Paraguay. Uh, where Eric is, is from. And I, I don't know if his father is officially his representative or, or just acting in, in a dad role here and, and being an advisor. Uh, Eric Lopez told the radio station, and this is translated, we did not reach an economic agreement with Bonfield. That is what was said. Um, mentioned Vasco in Brazil, which their window is open, um, but he wouldn't be part of their first division side. So they're looking for somewhere for he, he, him to play first division minutes. Um, windows are open in Argentina, in Brazil, in Ecuador, probably a few other South American leagues as well. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of easy to, to figure out where this goes from here. Uh, the idea that it sounds like, you know, Eric himself wanted to be part of was to be loaned so he could play. Um, he's not going to be the starter here. There, there's nowhere around that. There's not a starting, starting spot for him in Atlanta. Playing for Atlanta United 2 isn't really what he needs at this stage of his development either. So if he is here, he's going to have to fight for playing time with a group of players that are already fighting for playing time. If he's not, then they're going to have to find a loan that works for the economic side for the player and for the clubs involved. And that's not always easy. And Bonfield is a smaller club that is not one that can take on a whole bunch of salary very easily. And I don't know what the agreement was. We do know that MLS, you know, policy and and rules and regulations when it comes to uh, roster regulations, there are some things that have to happen to clear a roster spot. You know, if you pay a player and they're they're 100% salary, but you loan them out somewhere, they're still going to take a roster spot from you. If there is some sort of a sharing agreement and, we really don't know. It's it's again, MLS rules are not all public. We don't know what percentages are necessary to open up the roster spot. U22 is a brand new thing. Is that different? We don't really know. I don't think there has been a U22 player signed and then loaned out to open up a U22 slot. So I don't think there's a precedent to even look at here. So it's not an easy situation. If he's here, he's going to have to fight for playing time in an already crowded group. If he's not here, they have to find the right situation for him and for the clubs involved. But he doesn't need to go somewhere just to go. He has to go somewhere to play because ultimately, and this was the plan before, he's an Atlanta United player that they need to improve this season. Yeah. And he doesn't do that if he goes somewhere else and doesn't play either. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, I mean, whether he plays for Atlanta United or not, the plan was with Bonfield, he'd be on loan. And depending on what the sell-on is, Atlanta United is going to benefit dramatically if Eric Lopez has a good season. You're not going to get the sale if he doesn't play, you know. It's just that simple. So now they have to look at a couple different options. And windows are still open in parts of the world. Interleague trade is still a possibility. Um, 
you never know. He could end up playing for Atlanta United in 2022. I don't see it, but we, look, that's on seen, the table. We've seen these things happen before where a player, it looks like they're going to be on the way out. It looks like they're going to get loaned. Things fall through. They come back to the club. They come back motivated and they, they fight for their spot and they, they turn it around. That can happen too, but there's not starting minutes for him here. That's the thing. And that's, you know, no matter what happens, you know, he's not going to beat out Joseph Martinez up top. So if he's number two on the depth chart versus number three or two and a half or whatever, that doesn't dramatically change his situation. So I think alone is where they want to be. So he can grow and improve as a player, potentially be sold at that time. If it makes sense economically for all involved, or he comes back to Atlanta as a better player next year. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I would like to see is Jackson Conway make this a little less of a discussion. And, um, you know, feel a little bit better that if you can't go out and you find another striker that Jackson Conway's got this, um, I'll be honest, I did not see that on Sunday, but that's 45 minutes of one match. Yeah, and I don't think it'd be very fair to Jackson to just make an evaluation on that at all. No, no, he also scored, and by the way, he also scored against Georgia Storm. That's that's what I was going to say. I saw him play that thirty, and he was better in that thirty. He had he had a better day against the Storm than he did against the Revs. But yeah, I mean, it for him, I don't think it's about just like we talked about with with goals preseason being everything. It it's not really just what he does in these games. It's what he does on the training pitch. It's what he does in terms of, you know, something he mentioned, the the work rate defensively. It's the movement off the ball. It's understanding, I think, the concepts and the game model and everything that his role is. It's not just to score a goal. So he can earn the spot in training, but that's maybe one of the questions in this preseason is can Jackson Conway lock down that spot or do they need to go get somebody to be that number two? And then maybe you're talking about a loan for Jackson somewhere mm-hmm. to make sure he's playing and he's in a different situation. You know, he said that he has no problem playing with Atlanta United too. Maybe it is training with the first team playing for the twos to get those minutes and reinforcing what he's working towards. Lopez is in a different situation than that. I don't think the twos are the fit for him. I agree. Uh, now, another topic on the Twitch pitch has been Mateus Hosetu, who, again, okay. looked very good on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and a, a couple people on the Twitch pitch are going back and forth about if his role could increase on the team this year, which I think you and I have established over the last couple of weeks. It, it likely can because um, I think Pineda really rates Hosetu. Yeah. Um, I guess the question would be by increase, what does that entail? Well, now you're making me go back on the Twitch pitch. Thank you. A lot <laughs> no of talk about the Charlotte radio announcement, by the way. We're going to talk I, about that. I hear that some second. things about the yeah. Charlotte radio well, announcement. It, it's been made. So, I, I know. Uh, we'll, I hear some we'll, things. We'll get to that because we want to pay tribute to, to Will and Jess. But, um, yeah. uh, like, soccer for good uh, says it looks like Josetsu is much more comfortable and won't okay. shrink in the background anymore. I think it, it might be more along that, that yeah. line. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think we started to see that last year, honestly. And, and, you know, we talk about this when we get a chance to to talk to some of the guys for, for broadcast games coming up. Mateus was one that we had a chance to hear from last year, late in the season. And it was maybe the one that I felt like I learned the most out of. Yeah. Um, and he, he did feel based on previous interviews where we had seen him in like kind of scrum situations, he did feel and seem more comfortable and more confident. Um, I I really like his game and I had the chance, you know, for him when he came in, I had studied his work at Parnayense. He was somebody who'd kind of played all over the midfield, some a little bit deeper, some as a 10, a little bit out wide, kind of a utility midfielder. And he hadn't really settled into a position. Um, The year he had the most minutes, he got passed the next year by Bruno Guimaraes, who was just, bought for a whole lot of money by Newcastle. So, you know, he's had some competition in his career. So he comes here and in that preseason when he got here and then he had to go away to get the visa stuff sorted out. Then you have the pandemic. It was all really complicated time. I saw him and I remember talking to you about this. I saw him play with Atlanta United two in a preseason game at the training ground, uh, just a scrimmage. And he played in a holding midfield role. 
He played in a deep-lying role as part of a double pivot, which is what he's ended up playing now under Gonzalo Pineda. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I hadn't really factored him in as much in that kind of a role, and it kind of suits him. But then, you know, when we'd see him play, it was more as a 10, a little bit more forward, you know, advanced in the team, you know, expected to create chances and score goals. I don't know if that's his game. I really am having flashbacks to Darlington Nagby conversations. And I'm not saying he's Darlington Nagby or definitely not saying hashtag Nagby replacement because we're years away from that. We're gone past that. But the conversations about what he can be and who he is as a player are really similar because everybody initially wanted Nagby to score a bunch of goals and have a bunch of assists. And it's not his game. I think Hosechu, just like Nagby, has the potential to give you more in those areas. He can. And I think Gonzalo Pineda would like him to and pick those spots when to go. But where he's his best, and we've seen it in preseason so far, we saw it last year a lot late in the year, playing in an eight role, a central midfield role, a mixed role, where he has defensive responsibilities, but he also gets forward and joins the attack. And he's the one a lot of times who links the back four and the holding midfielder to the front five. He's the one that turns that into when they need to defend, they can defend with six, two holding midfielders, back four. When they need to get forward, he can exploit it and flip it to where they can attack with six or seven with the outside backs going. He's the one who who flips that switch. And I think he got better and better and more comfortable at that as the year went on. I'm expecting a really good year from him. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. If he can start to add, not asking for 10 assists a year. I'm not asking for goals really out of him. If he can get to where you're getting a chance and a half created, you know, you get up to 1.5 key passes per game, that kind of thing. Some of those start to turn into assists, maybe secondary assists in the, in the MLS stat side of things. You know, he's going to pass it over 90%. You know, he's not going to give the ball away very much. I'm also looking for more defensively, a little bit more in winning balls back, winning his tackles, jumping into passing lanes. And hearing the the comments on the field in that first game, that was a lot of the focal point of Brad Gazan and goal was talking to Mateus a lot about making sure he had cover. If if the right back went, Lissetu had to slide over a little bit, be able to cover the right back position, making sure he dropped with Alonzo when they were under under threat, when they were being attacked. If he can get that balance between the two, Hosechi will be one of those guys that everybody in the league will start talking about and say, oh, wow, he's he's doing all these things that are underrated. That's what he can bring you. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think, too, like, I was trying to think of another player I would compare him to, and and I can't find a soccer comparison, so I'm going to go to my other job, the Hawks. (laughs) I hope you don't mind. No. Mateus has has to reminds me a lot of Kevin Herter as a player who – when he is visibly confident, he plays at a higher level. Yeah, uh, And I don't think necessarily that Hosetsu lacked confidence at any point during 2020. But I do think the addition of another Portuguese speaker into the team in Arujo. I agree. And a manager who I think is a little more tapped into the mentality Mm-hmm. of all of his players in Pineda, I think really did unlock some mm-hmm. things with Hosatu in the second half of last year. And that's one of the things even, I, Jason, you know, thinking back to that conversation we had with Mateus, and I want to say it was before the, uh, not Cincinnati, maybe the match before that, the Might weekend match before that, whatever that was, very late in the season. Uh, that's one of the things I think I asked him about. Like, th- does it help now having mm-hmm. another Portuguese speaker? A lot of people don't know um, Manny G, who's one of the 
the player liaisons for the team who works for the club in the front office also speaks Portuguese. Um, but just to have another countryman, uh, you know, basically to join La Banda, I think really, really helped yeah. Mateus a great deal. And, you know, just to clarify, in my brief interactions with Mateus on road trips last year, I mean, he was he was an outgoing, fun guy. Yeah. You know, he, he was not a someone who stayed off to the side or in the corner or anything like that. Yeah. But I, I just think from a standpoint of confidence, mm-hmm. it reminds me so much of Kevin Herter, where when, he, when he's playing with that confidence, he can play at a very, very high yeah. level. And I think we saw that as, uh, you know, even in the playoff game, I thought Josetu was one of Atlanta United's better players at Yankee Stadium. Why was that the case? I think it, it, it's something you just touched on. He's good on the ball. He's good in yeah. tight spaces. So those are some of the things I'm looking for from Mateus Ozatu this year. I, I'm I'm optimistic. And I think he's going to be, like, if I were to, if he stays healthy all season, I, I'm going to put the over-under on starts for Mateus Ozatu at maybe 25 this year. I, I yeah. think it's, it's a really, really good possibility that he's going to be your starter in about two-thirds of your league matches this year. He's going to be the one that will not make it easy for Emerson Hindman to walk back into the starting lineup. Exactly. And that's that's just that's competition. That's what you're trying to create within the team. Hosechi was in the 96th percentile in pass completion among midfielders in MLS last year. Um, I Honestly, and this sounds like a really little dumb thing, but when you're talking about a guy being confident and and making sure that he plays with confidence and and plays a personality too, bleaching his hair is a good step in that direction. Someone like, said that on the Twitch pitch, yeah, as a matter of fact. That's absolutely true. Yeah, you, you're feeling yourself a little bit. It's good yeah. for Mateus to feel himself a little bit. I like yeah. it. All right, so let's then uh, advance to Christopher's question: How do we project? the starting central midfield this year for Atlanta United. And keep something in mind, too. We have not yet seen Santi Sosa. I think they have a media availability scheduled with Santi this week, so that's probably a good sign Yes, that uh, he's getting close. But we have not yet seen Santi. But, uh, you know, uh, Christopher wants to know, you've got Ibarra, Sosa, Heinemann, Josetu, Alonzo. So how does it all shake out? That's a lot of cover. That is a lot (laughs) That's a very good situation for Atlanta United to be in. It's really tough. Um, I'll go through the 11 right now. I'll, I'll go ahead and do the whole thing. Uh, Brad Gazan in goal, Brooks Lennon on the right back, Andrew Gutman at left back, Miles Robinson and Alan Franco at center back. I think that's your starting spot on the depth chart. Now, that could change by opening day, but that's where I think it's penciled in right now. Um, I think when everybody's healthy, it's Santiago Sosa as the six. I think it is Mateus Hosatu as the eight. Now, this is the part that we don't really know. We know Adarujo will be on the right. We know Joseph will be up top. Marcelino Moreno can be as the 10. He can be out wide on the left. It really depends on if the Tiago Almada get, deal gets done. If it's Almada, and, it, and it's not about it getting done. There's things to do with it getting done. It's about bringing him. It's about making the decision, it sounds like. And, and where that stands, we don't know. If it's Almada, I think he will be more often central as opposed to how Barco was playing from the left and sometimes central. Um, that might push Marcelino wider out, but coming inside just like Barco did, it, it's not a big deal. But I think we know that they're going to want to play Araujo on the right to be able to cut into his left foot. I think that will stay consistent. If it's not Almada, then it gets interesting because there's going to be something. And we don't know when, and we don't know what the timeline of that looks like, but there would be somebody. And then would they be a wide player more often than a central player? Moreno will be the one who who swings either way, mm-hmm. but it's going to be fluid. It's going to move around. Now, your potential variables to that. I think you're going to see a good bit of Osvaldo Alonso this season. I don't think he's going to be a starter every day, but I think he's going to start some games and he might start some games early, especially as Sosa's coming back. Heinemann will be back at some point. And he will be competing. He, he is not going to want to sit and watch everybody else play. And when Emerson Heinemann is at his best, it's hard to keep him out of the group. So then what? I, I don't have an answer to that. It's going to be down to form. It's going to be down to competition. Ibarra brings you something completely different. And there will be games that will call for that. Um, 
where Tyler Wolf fits, where some of these other young guys fit. There's there's some some big questions. They're good questions because they're competition questions. It's not like some teams that that we can talk about in the league and say, all right, what's the starting lineup? I don't know what the starting lineup because I don't know who can play his position. I don't know what factors in. You're settling for something in a position as opposed to Sosa, Alonzo, Hosechu, Ibarra, Heinemann, Moreno, maybe another player in that central midfield. Mm-hmm. We know there's a few other guys who can play in that role if needed too, but that's that's seven. I mean, that's a lot for three spots. Yeah, and this is just if Atlanta United plays 4-2-3-1. I mean, you yeah. because of the the depth that we're discussing here, you are going to have some tactical flexibility to maybe play wow. a four three three. You could play a four four two if you wanted. No, nah, I don't. I don't think you will. But but and and this is the way I'll put it with this stuff. Um, four two three one four three three. It's basically the same concept. Um, three central midfielders. Four four two. The reason I I, I went nah on that is. I think if you do it, it's going to be a hybrid. It'll be a central midfielder playing as a second forward more than it would be Jackson Conway and Joseph Martinez together with only two central midfielders behind. I think the central midfield depth is so strong that you'll want to play there, and that's going to be the hub of your team. You'll want those. You want three of that seven to play and be able to impact it. Um, but could you move other things around and bring different elements out of instead of having three central midfielders in one or two behind one, could you play Sosa by himself and play Heinemann and Hosechu further up in that situation? Sure. Could you play a three, four, two, one, play three center backs, wing backs. You've got outside backs. who can play as wing backs play, you know, two holding two in front. And then one. Yeah. I mean, you've got all kinds of flexibility and you'll need it at some point this season. You'll need all that flexibility and all that depth. Uh, real quick before we go back to the Twitch pitch, do you think we got a hint on Sunday that uh, George Campbell's probably going to be starting at center back for Atlanta United against SKC, keeping in mind that Alan Franco will be suspended for that match? Yeah, in that case, yes. I I don't think there's any question about it. Okay, I agree. Um, so Shiva, it, it brings up a point. You know, we got a lot of midfielders, obviously. Is Atlanta United too thin on the wings right now? I mean, uh, they have 30 guys under contract right now, I think, if, I, if I've if i done my math properly. I think that's let me get right. My, uh, let me get my notebook out here. I, I think know. that's right. Um, on the wings. So we'll include the outside backs in this conversation, and I'll explain why. So at outside back, you've got Gutman, you've got Ambrose, you've got Wiley on the left, you've got Lennon Hernandez on the right. On the wings up top, you've got Araujo and Dom and Centeno, who's played on both sides, but he predominantly played on the right in college. Mulraney and Chole, who have predominantly played on the left. That's with Barco out as he's been loaned to River Plate. Okay, we know Tyler Wolf can play wide. We know Marcelino Moreno can play wide. So that's two more you can add into that equation. That's a lot. (laughs) I don't think you're thin in any stretch on the wing. You've got three guys on the right, and people can have their opinions about Jurgen Dom, and that's fine. I understand it, and I, I know it's really more about salary, but Jurgen Dom is a backup right winger right now, as he is. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Maybe he's not here, but right now on paper, we're talking about depth. Yeah. Centeno's still got to earn more time and show he's ready for MLS. Mulroney and Chole, I think, are more reserves. I'd love to see one of them step up and be somebody who grabs more playing time. Uh, we haven't seen Mulroney yet as he's working out paperwork. Chole has been away with national team duty with South Sudan. I hope Machoke Chole comes in confident. Maybe he, maybe Hosechu needs to dye Chole's hair. Maybe that's what he needs to say. <laughs> um, I'm down. We can make it happen. But Tyler Wolf and, and Tyler Wolf was supposed to play on the wing in the Georgia Storm game. He ended up moving inside when Moreno couldn't go. He played on the left wing as a right footer in Athens, and he got the concepts of playing as an inverted winger really, really well. Not saying Tyler Wolf's going to start 34 games, but add him into that depth, and you're with another addition, which, again, if it's Almada and it's Moreno going to the left flank or it's Almada playing from the outside coming in, you're three deep right now on both attacking wing positions. You're three deep at left back. You're two deep at right back. 
with McFadden with the second team and uh, no problem with him moving up when they need it, if they need it. And you also have the ability for Wiley, for Lennon, for Hernandez. I don't think Gutman projects this way quite as much as outside backs who can play on the wing when needed. So you could play Hernandez at right back and Lennon at right wing, for example. You've got that possibility. So the depth is there. And the it always comes back to there are you know people with opinions, and we all have them, about is the depth good enough? But I don't I could not say that they're thin. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. Could they get better? Yeah, of course, if you have unlimited cap funds and you can do whatever you want, then you can have a expensive backup, sure. Yeah. And for those of you asking on the Twitch pitch, well, Rainey is in the team. He's yeah. dealing with a green card thing right now. Yeah, uh, he'll so have a green what... card, which will open up an international slot, which, as we're seeing, is very valuable in MLS this year. Crucial. <laughs> 250000 in allocation money. Those things are expensive. Yeah. Uh, now, Burned is suggesting trade a midfielder for some GAM to a team that has a lot, then use it for a winger. Uh, he also says it's a lot of numbers, but not necessarily proven MLS quality on the wing. I'd get one more guy with experience, like when Atlanta got Miram. He says he doesn't like outside backs playing wing because it takes away too much offense. I don't think it, that's an issue with Lennon or Hernandez. Um, Wiley's really young. You're, you're not going to put him there unless you have to. So, I mean, I, I don't think it applies to Lennon or Hernandez. I think both are good in the attacking third. Um you can move one of those central midfielders. That's why you want a lot of depth. So if you need to make a move, you can make a move. Um, I didn't even mention a Marseidich in that conversation about central midfielders. I knew there was one I was leaving out to so make it eight. Yeah, sure. You could make a move. Um, but the reason I, I don't think that's necessarily the play here, is, the way you're going to play this out is with Barco gone, you have a designated player spot. We know the Tiago Almada option is out there. That's That's fact. We know that. If you're bringing in Almada, then you're going to play either him or Moreno from the left side in a 4-2-3-1. So there's your impactful winger that you would be adding. You don't have to trade a central midfielder to go get allocation money to then go get a winger inside the league. Um, proven MLS depth, I mean, proven depth, Jurgen Dom's proven. You can not like what you've seen in Atlanta from him, but his work in Liga MX, he's absolutely proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Mulraney, I would say, is proven. I, I would actually push on and say that Mulraney is somebody that there were games I was happy to see him come in and impact it from the bench. I think he's pretty proven. I don't know if it would be worth it to give up your depth in a central midfield spot unless there's one of those guys, and I don't know who it would be that you've decided just doesn't fit, isn't going to work, and trade them on and then go get a – I mean, a Justin Merrim type who would be coming off the bench. Like, that's what it would be. Would they be better than Mulraney? I don't know. Now, if Dom leaves, then that's a different conversation. That opens up the right side. You might want depth there. Sure. But right now, he hasn't. He's he's still an Atlanta United player, and I don't know if that's going to change or when it would change. Yeah. Yeah, and Bruno, I, I think Jason kind of went through it earlier, but just to kind of reiterate you know, a starting 11 with Almada. Uh, I think Jason gave you his. I'll, I'll just kind of add to it. Again, I think it's Gutman. 4-2-3-1 with, uh, yeah. from left to right, Gutman, Miles, Alan Fraco, maybe Miles and Alan sure. in reverse. And then uh, Brooks Lennon yeah. with Sosa and Hosatu. Um, and I would go Aruju right. I would say Moreno centrally and Almada left, but that could that could be a you know you just gotta see it. I mean, just gotta Al- see Almada is, in my opinion, watching him. I think there has there's a an incorrect narrative out there that he's a winger. He's not a winger. Mm-hmm. He's he's less of a winger than Ezekiel Barco was. Can he play wide in a front three? Yeah, he can. He's he's talented enough to do it. He can do it but I think he's more naturally suited to be central. And then you got to figure out how to make the rotations work. If Moreno's there and we saw last year consistently Barco on the left was cutting inside. So like, you're not, that's not foreign to the club and the way they play. So if it's Moreno there, I think the, the thing I would make clear is Moreno. If he's on the left wing under Gonzalo Pineda is not in any way, Moreno as he was on the left wing under Gabriel Heinze. 
very different responsibilities and way of playing. In that system, he was instructed to stay as wide as possible, as often as possible, not come inside until you get into the final third and make things happen. We didn't see that with wingers under Gonzalo Pineda. It was much more free-flowing. It's it's a lot of, honestly, build up the play through the left, interchangeable, make the bring the defense to that side, hit Araujo on the opposite side, let him do his 1v1, go to goal, open the game up. There, there's a lot of that. So Moreno or Almada off the left is going to be coming inside a lot looking to combine. And obviously Joseph up top. Yeah. It was yeah. great to see Joseph score last night. Tough night for goal. Venezuela, goal. but a good goal, like a, a good, yeah. solid gentleman's goal for Joseph. Um, <laughs> really good to see. I know he had a bike attempt in their last match, and I, yeah. I love seeing the landing on that. But uh, nah, he's fine. It's good. Just a good gentleman's goal last night. Joseph will be back soon. Uh, you know, as far as Christopher's able, uh, Christopher's question about potential fitness on Almada and could he be available to play right away? Yes. He continues to train with Velez, right? Like that, that has I, not stopped. I, I don't know exactly. Um, I, I know he reported with them. I know he was with them at the beginning of their training camp. I don't know where that stands right now. Uh, Velez is kind of quiet about everything with their prep at the moment. I haven't seen it either way, so I'm not sure. He should be able to jump in pretty quickly. Would he? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's 90 minutes fit right now. If he's not, I don't think it's going to take him very long to get up to speed. I, I think he'll be able to contribute with all that depth. He can play 45, 60 as he's getting his legs underneath him. Quite frankly, very few players on Atlanta United right now are 90 minutes. Exactly. So exactly. If, if he's 45 right now, then he's with everybody else. Exactly. Other than maybe Miles Robinson. Yeah. Uh, and the guys who, uh, elsewhere played in world cup qualifying Brooks, because Brooks had that long camp with the U S men's national team. He's just coming back from whatever happened with his ankle. Right. Shiva wants to know what our score prediction is for tonight. <sighs> I, I don't think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be ugly. Um, my, my, what I'm afraid of is scoreless. What I'm hopeful of is one, nothing. And I'll take it. And I don't care. It's fine. Just get three points. Don't have frostbite. Don't lose a digit and we'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a scoreless draw. And I think uh, the Federation has no one but themselves to blame. That's what and, I'm afraid of. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to see any Burhalter out stuff if, no. if that's what happens, because it's not on him. It, I mean, it may be Jay Burhalter if you want to. Uh, no, he's not there know. anymore. You can't blame this but, one on him. <laughs> Federation guy out. Uh, yes, <laughs> it, it, it's it's completely one hundred percent on the Federation. Should have never yeah. come to this. It just they got way way too cute with this. Way too cute. Um, yep. No one benefits from playing in minus twelve degree weather. Nobody plays in that uh, commonly anywhere in the world. Um, and again, it's like I said on SDH today, if I'm Chelsea, I am furious that you're going to make Pulisic play in this crap tonight. Uh, if I'm Atlanta United, I am furious that Miles Robinson risks hypothermia for, for playing in this match. It's a completely avoidable situation. You could have, I mean, if you felt playing in cold weather would be an advantage over Honduras, I get it. I, I get you it. can still accomplish that by playing in Kansas City or playing in Cincinnati or playing in Salt Lake City or playing in, um, I don't know, uh, even Dallas. Like, I don't think Frisco is probably that, that balmy this time of year. Uh, you don't have to be going to the extreme of playing in Minneapolis. And, um, I just I'm 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 still really upset about it. I don't typically like when journalists, you know, make these declarative st- declarative statements about how stupid something is, and uh, I, I try case. not I try not to do that. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, uh, <sighs> it, it's all on them. And look, if 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 it turns out the way I think, which is scoreless draw, uh, this. This uh, U.S. men's national team is not safe anymore to assume that they're going to Qatar. I think they're safe to be in the top four, but yeah. I don't know if they're safe to be in the top three if they get a draw tonight. It, well, then they'd go to Qatar in June and have to beat probably New Zealand in a one-game yeah. playoff to, I, to I don't like spot. That. 
I don't, I don't like, like anything about the playoff. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll simplify my rant from this morning on SDH. Um, the idea that you needed to play closer to Hamilton because of travel is a joke because it's a charter flight. It is an extra hour if you wanted to play the game in Orlando. Okay, it, it didn't have any effect. Um, if you're worried about having Honduran fans there and it being a pro Honduras environment, well, then you need to create a program that sells be- tickets better because there should not be a problem selling tickets to the national team and World Cup qualifiers in 20 to 25,000 seat venues. There shouldn't be a worry about that. If that's a worry, well, then you need to look at your marketing department in the eye. You're putting the players in a very unfair situation to have to perform tonight. And they're the ones who are going to get ripped and criticized if the game doesn't go well, as will Greg Berhalter. And it's none of their faults for the conditions they have to deal with. The the heated pitch, which some have pointed at, is like that's going to fix everything. And credit to one of our listeners, Tafka, who reached out to a company that does the heated under under soil heating systems. And when it's as cold as it is in doesn't Minnesota, matter. it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. You're going to have some heat on the benches. Okay, cool. Um, your referees are going to really struggle tonight, and they're probably going to make mistakes because of the conditions. You're going to have mistakes on the field. The ball's going to be difficult to deal with. The fans are going to be miserable. I hope they take every precaution possible. It's a mess all the way around, and it did not need to happen. They could have played this game anywhere in the country and had a huge advantage coming into it because, frankly, the U.S. men's national team has a far greater level of talent than Honduras, who was already eliminated from World Cup qualifying. You didn't need a gimmick like the cold weather game in St. Paul to be able to ensure three points. Let your players play freely, and you'll get three points. You might not get three points tonight because of all this. Spot on. And they'll have no one but themselves to blame, like I said. Federation needs to look in the mirror. Absolutely. Okay, uh, real quick, want to talk about Charlotte Radio. Uh, I, I just thought this was really cool. We'll end on this. Uh, Charlotte announced today that uh, two really good friends of Jason and I, uh, Will Palachek and Jeff Sharman, are going to be doing the radio commentary for Charlotte this year. And I, I just think that is an absolute home run. I, I've, I've said publicly that Charlotte has maybe, with the soccer side of things, been a little slow. Uh, to I the draw so. on, on a few things just roster wise, but uh, this is an absolute win for uh, Charlotte and their fans. And I, Will is going to do a terrific job. I know he, how hard he has worked over yeah. the last two years uh, to prepare himself to be the play by play announcer for Charlotte FC. And uh, for those of you, I know most of you watching the, the show here are familiar with Jess and her work on SDH and, and everything else. But if you haven't had a chance to, uh, to, to listen to Jess talk about the game, uh, I think you're in a, in for a real treat. Charlotte absolutely nailed it on the radio hire. So I can't wait to hear them do a game together and I can't wait to see them in a couple weeks because uh, we'll be playing Charlotte very, very soon on March the 13th as a matter of fact, so a little more than a month away. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy for Will, who I had tons of soccer conversations with when he was with us at 92.9 and over the years now in Charlotte as he's been building up and, and, and getting to know that team and the build from day one. He will be able to tell that story uh, better than anybody else in town because he, he's been there from the very beginning with this whole process. And I've called games with Jess for years now, and we've we've stood on the sideline at Oglethorpe calling a game a couple feet away from the coaches, a couple feet away from the field, dodging wayward passes from time to time. And her knowledge, her enthusiasm, her excitement for the game, her passion about the game, um, it's outstanding. It's just incredible. And, you know, she gets better every game I hear her call. And I love working with her, whether she's doing play-by-play, I'm doing color, whether I'm doing play-by-play, she's doing color. She's just great at talking about the game. And Charlotte got really, really lucky to get both Jess and Will. And they're going to kill it. And I can't wait to talk trash to both of them when you see them in a few weeks. <laughs> trash all the trash i don't know yeah i don't know about that oh i'm talking Um, trash to both of them well i think what'll be fun is um 
you know, maybe we'll do like a crossover now that we have this technology. Maybe I already told maybe them. maybe like, going into the Charlotte match, we do like a four yeah. box stoppage time or something. I, like I that. already told them that there would be a crashing of shows in the weeks leading up to those games. I think when we host, they'll crash us, and when they host, we'll crash their show. Well, uh, our buddy Terry, Terry Fox, and this is another reason why I think yeah. if you're a Charlotte fan watching us. Uh, you're going to be in really good hands. I mean, Terry Fox, who was the program director here at 92.9 The Game and, and really helped to construct our, our soccer coverage initially with Jason and Jimmy Vance and Adam Schick. Uh, you know, Terry's basically implementing the same ideas now with Charlotte. This is on his station up there. So a lot of the things that we've done in Atlanta, they're going to do in Charlotte. And their version of stoppage time, I talked to Terry over the weekend, their version of stoppage time is going to be called the Crown Corner. So okay. Will and Jess will be doing the Crown Corner. I don't know if they've started it yet. And um, if I said something publicly, I wasn't supposed to <laughs> try to act surprised. But uh, we'll, we'll do kind of like a hell in the cell, uh, stop yeah. time Crown Corner thing, maybe the Wednesday before that, that Charlotte match with uh, Will sure. and Jess. But I, I, they're going to do an awesome job. That's a huge, huge win for Charlotte. And uh, like I said, I can't wait for them to get to work. Yeah, when we're not doing games, uh, you can find them on WFNZ up in Charlotte. You can find the games on the internet. Uh, check them out. They're going to be a really fun listen. Okay, uh, we'll be back. Uh, well, Jason's going to Mexico, so yeah. <laughs> uh, don't don't drink the water down there. No, get no. back to us safely. I, we, I will not need a security person to drop a pin on a trip to a restaurant. I can oh. guarantee that. Yeah, that was that was the last time we went to Mexico. That's a flashback. Uh, so Jason's going. He's going to call the uh, Celaya match on Sunday. And just to be clear, 2 p.m. Eastern time for that, correct? I know there's been some confusion on I that. I thought it was noon. Um, now, is it noon local time or noon Eastern time? It is, it's 2 Eastern now. Okay. I think it was noon at one point. So now it's 2 Eastern, 1 local. Got okay. You're right only here. one hour behind? They are. I always think oh, I they're that. further west, but yeah, they're central. Me too. Okay. Well, there you go. So uh, two Eastern time, Jason will have uh, the commentary on atlutd.com slash live. Uh, then Jason will come back stateside. We'll do stoppage time next Wednesday. And then the following Sunday, Jason and I will call the doubleheader with uh, Chivas and the other second division team that they're going to play, that'll be a, uh, kind of like a split squad deal. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be kind of like when we did the uh, Cal State Fullerton and, and Cholos games in right. uh, 19 or 20. Uh, 19. 19. 19. Man, we've and been doing this a while, Mike. I know. And then don't forget, uh, February 20th, we're going to have a really big day in Birmingham on February oh, yeah. the 20th at uh, the, the new stadium there, hoping for 45,000 people. That'll be full radio. It'll be streamed as well. And uh, I have a feeling we'll be doing something after the match at that, that strip of bars and restaurants across the street from the stadium. So we have your calendar plan for the next couple of weeks. But most importantly, we're back next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another edition of Stoppage Time here on Twitch and the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. We will see you all next week. Make sure you lock all those games in. I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to see the team um, up close again in preseason. It looks like a kind of a small stadium um, at this, the site where the team is training right now for the game on Sunday. Um, I apologize for doing the game solo. Uh, I will do my best to, to cover all of the ground in it as I'm studying up on a uh, Celaya leading into this one. And um, just excited to see this thing get to where we're talking about games again. That's the fun. That's the excitement. That's the the depth chart conversation. That stuff is what is exciting. So can't wait to see that thing finally build out in total and see what this team looks like when they get to Birmingham in the dress rehearsal. And, man, opening day is not far away. So not too much to do to get there. We'll see you all soon. We'll be back with you in stoppage time next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 